Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, the City Council's Budget and Audit Committee will please come to order. Would the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Councilmember Talamantes. Here. Vice Mayor Guetta. Here. Mayor Pro Tem Vang. Here. And Mayor Steinberg. Here. Um, do we do the land acknowledgement and the pledge for the... If you would like. Okay, yes, please. Would somebody want to lead us? Yes, please. Lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwin Wintu's peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the Native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Salute, pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Well, a very good afternoon uh, to everyone. Welcome to the Budget and Audit Committee. We've got a consent calendar, and then we're going to hear uh, from uh, some of our Measure U leadership as well as uh, the city staff. And then we're going to hear from the city auditor about a very important question, actually, and that is the baseline funding for uh, the calculation for the Sacramento Children's Fund passed pursuant to uh, the measure in 2022 by the city voters. Let us begin with the consent calendar. Are there questions or comments? Anybody on the consent calendar? If not, do, consent, yes, please, thank you. Moved and seconded. Are, is there public testimony, Madam Clerk? There is not. All in favor of the consent calendar, please say aye. 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 Oppose, abstain. That passes unanimously. Let's now move to uh, item four, which are the findings and recommendations of the Measure U Committee Advisory Committee Participatory Budgeting Pilot Project. Very important. Uh, measure that uh, I know you've been uh, you've been working on for quite some time Absolutely. Chair Dickinson thank you um, good afternoon I'm Marge Dickinson chair of the measure U community advisory committee I'm excited to be here to present the findings and recommendations from the evaluation of the measure U participatory budget pilot program that was prepared by uh, consultant third plateau before I speak to the substance of this report, I would like to acknowledge and thank my committee colleagues present here in the chamber, uh, Marcus Wolf and Marbella Sala. They, along with Nikki Pascal from the committee, were instrumental in developing this presentation. In, a, in addition, I would like to acknowledge former members of the Measure U Community Advisory Committee who comprised the committee's participatory budgeting ad hoc committee and who conceived and oversaw uh, the implementation of the pilot project. They were Kathy Cresswell, Dana Kivel, Deborah Odo-Kent, Gina Lujan, Kim Williams, Noel Mora, and Tracy Thomas. Today we will provide an overview of the, uh, I'm going to call it PB just for short, of the PB pilot, including goals, metrics, community engagement throughout the process, outcomes and project highlights and recommendations, and next steps. The key takeaways, the pilot was a success 
and the program has great potential for greater success as a result of the lessons learned during the pilot and from the third plateau evaluation. The, the idea for PB emerged from the committee's mandate to, quote, work with city staff on community engagement with respect to the transactions and use tax. The overarching goal was to engage Sacramento residents in developing and prioritizing ideas for funding projects to meet community needs. In particular, the focus was on um, engaging uh, communities that have historically been underinvested and underserved. In FY21-22, the council approved $1 million in Measure U funds for the pilot and subsequently $250,000 for administrative activities, including, most importantly, this evaluation. In summary, we believe the PB goals were achieved. Participants were engaged, gained knowledge, and felt empowered and better informed about the city budgeting process. Council members were informed about residents' priorities and concerns. Selected projects will benefit historically underinvested communities. The ideas were cost-effective and supported high-priority community initiatives. And the mayor, we believe, has uh, cited the PV project as a model for engaging uh, the community in the larger city budget process. As you know, the Measure U Community Advisory Committee is all about metrics. And these top-line numbers provide a snapshot of project <coughs> participation. With 1,000 residents participating, 555 ideas generated from 500 different individuals, 52 applications for funding received, and 17 projects selected for funding. The project commenced in the fall of 21 and remains ongoing. This evaluation covers only the period from October 21 through November of 22 when the project concepts were selected. Since then, the, the city has facilitated a competitive solicitation process to identify and select the 17 organizations to be funded. Those, pro those um, uh, funded projects are now underway. Key findings of Third Plateau's evalu evaluation include, as I mentioned before, that participants gained knowledge about the budgeting process, council members were kept informed about priorities and concerns, and those historically underrepresented communities are likely to benefit from the activities of the project. Th Third Plateau was thorough in its observations, insights, and recommendations. The le lessons learned from its analysis were many and will improve and streamline the program. The key recommendations emerging from the evalu evaluation reflect the fact that meaningful community engagement is hard work, must be ongoing, and emerges only when complex processes are clear and institutionalized, roles and responsibilities of all parties are defined, timelines are realistic, relevant city policies are clarified, the information needs of participants are fully understood and honored, time and resources are dedicated to providing adequate context, technology is accessible, and individual support is available to participants. We appreciate and agree with the observations, insights, and recommendations provided by Third Plateau. Now we'd like to bring the program alive by highlighting some of the funded projects, and I will turn um, the podium over to my colleague, Marbea Sala. Thank you. Thank you. And this, this is my favorite part was actually being able to participate in review of all the applications we received and then making decisions of who would be funded. And with that, I'm very pleased to have Tanya Mack
from, she's the CEO of Universal Cafe in the North area to talk about her project. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to share with you just a little bit about my experience and what happened, what we've done together using Measure U dollars. Um, have you ever eaten pizza out of a trash can? Show of hands? No? Have you ever been given um, a can of applesauce or cranberries and was told to be grateful and take just one and move along? Has that ever happened to any of you? No? Yes? That's good to know. Because I've eaten out of trash cans. I was an unhomed kid. A little black girl in Marysville, California, not the kindest place to grow up and not a very easy place to be unhomed. Universal Cafe stands on dignity around food. People, whether you are unhomed, underhomed, or living in a home, deserve to have dignity around food. So if you have dietary restrictions and you're unhomed, you still don't like meat or you still don't eat pork, right? Universal Cafe is addressing so many aspects of what we do and how we show up for community around food. The Measure You Dollars provided the opportunity for us to not only employ those who are traditionally unhomed or live in non-traditional home communities, but we also employed our youth. And so not only did they get to see exactly what's happening in the streets in a different way, than they see passing by in cars and with their families. But they also got to see up close and personally who the people are that we're feeding, who the people are that we're taking care of, and what this food means to them, their lives, and their families. The, participa the participatory budgeting process was super interesting because I was a delegate. So being part of that firsthand, sitting in those rounds and rounds of sometimes very tiring meetings, we learned so much. And then we were able to take what we learned and take that back into the community and share that. And we were able to give feedback to folks. And all of a sudden, everyone had a voice in a thing that we never had before. And it felt like the city cared about what we thought about our businesses, about our communities, about our homes, about our neighbors. And from that process, we were actually able to say, hey, look at my idea. What do you think about this? And from that, businesses were funded, projects were funded. This was one of the most incredible experiences that I've had. Um, I appreciate so very much what this did for not only my business and us being able to build capacity by creating jobs, by feeding people with dignity, but also knowing that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, knowing that we have the ability to make a difference, knowing that the dollars that the city takes in the city also pushed right back out again into the hands of the community that needs it the most. So thank you for giving me a few minutes to speak today. And thank you for letting me share my experience. Um, Universal Cafe is changing lives. And we're very, very proud of that. And we're proud of the support that you've given us. So thank you. Can we come out and visit? Absolutely. I would love for you to come out Please. and visit. I really On want December to. 18th, we actually are having what's called the Big Give Back. It's being hosted at um, our facility at 1830 Del Paso Boulevard. So all of the um, children and parents are coming out. 
Um, the children are able to pick gifts for the parents, and then volunteers will help them wrap those gifts. And the parents get to pick gifts for their children, and volunteers will help them wrap those gifts. And there'll be um, a community meal at that time as well. So please, you're more than welcome to come. We'd love to have you. Let's make sure, I'd just love to get the information, please. Absolutely, okay. happy thank to you do and that. Your passion is uh, contagious. Thank you, Mayor. So thank you. Thank you so much. So, as you can see, that is what has made this whole project so unique. And what Tanya said is these ideas, these creative ideas really came from the people that in those neighborhoods that live there and see what the need is. So um, the next project, unfortunately, the director was not able to be here because he's at Sac State teaching coding to the first cohort of students. And that is uh, Sacramento, he's a developer that's developing an educational program and this is in the South area, to teach young city residents video game development as an educational tool. And it's really bringing STEM, the, the whole concept of STEM, in a fun and creative way to young people who ordinarily wouldn't think of it in that way. It's um, the first class is um, currently, there's enrolled and he's already starting, but the, um, education process, but the, their registration is continuing until February to accept more into the program. The second will open soon, and then there'll be a third one that's being worked on so we can get and maximize um, the, the resources that we're giving, but, but, like, but more importantly is getting as, money, as much young people into this program. This program seeks to demonstrate that video game development is an execution excellent tool for teaching STEM-based skills, and it's a fun way. Video games are fun, and we all know our youth are like really entrenched in video games, and most students enjoy playing them. And to develop a game that requires knowledge and skills across the full spectrum of STEM, using the fundamentals of each of the STEM skills, video game development also teaches creativity and critical thinking. Like planning, critical problem solving, the program provides an opportunity to learn life skills like communication, presentation, collaboration. Graduates will be featured, and I think this is important, not only they have to have a completed project that they worked on from beginning to end, but they'll present those projects um, at the Collective Capital Creative Showcase in April of 2024. And it didn't take the, these programs, like Soul Cafe, um, and uh, this this program is it didn't take a lot of money. I think there it's like hundred and thousand for one program, and then what is your the funding that you twenty thousand for that program, hundred and twenty thousand. So I also there's another one that was a one day program, and that was in the South area, and it was Joshua's house. And it was um, to implement homeless services get, and I heard all of you talk about the importance of having everyone come together and offer services. Well, this did it for one day in August. It attracted 350 guests. Um, they received um, light rail passes, ID cards by DMV, mobile, medical, dental, and optical services, showers, um, brand new socks and, and underclothing, haircuts, services from public defenders, child support services, housing services, new blessings, backpacks, new cell phones. 82% of those surveyed, of the 117 that re responded to the survey, all rated the event as five out of five. 
So with that, I will introduce, um, and again, you know, the highlight of, of these projects was just to show how a little bit of money and creativity can have a meaningful impact in our community. Go ahead, Marcus, you will present the next. Hello, everyone. So what's next? So for each of the funded projects will be evaluated as to activities, metrics, and outcomes after the conclusion of their project. Based upon what we know, we are confident that the successful impacts and outcomes of our most underinvested communities will be demonstrated. Secondly, we believe that Third Plateau's evaluations resulted in confirming our objective good has emerged from this pilot project and that the projects and, the, and that the participatory budgeting project should be institutionalized incorporating feedback from the evaluation results and continued into fiscal year 2024 and beyond. Um, third, we strongly renew and reiterate our standing request that the council fund participatory budgeting at $5 million annually and integrate that, that program as part of the city's budget process. Finally, please kindly, we kindly ask that you refer this back to the entire council for them to consider as well. And uh, yeah, given budget challenges, we know that there's always room to potentially move numbers up and down and we hope you can consider that as well. We're happy to answer questions. I do want to say that I had an opportunity to read virtually all of the applications, and it truly was inspiring to see how much people cared about their communities, their neighborhoods, and how little money can make a difference to them. And um, I mean, some, actually, two of these projects are more, one of are some of the more highly funded projects, but some neighborhoods asked for community cleanups, twelve thousand dollars to help volunteers clean up their neighborhood. Um, so there's, there's a lot that can happen to improve quality of life um, for a little bit of money and bring along with it people feeling like their city government cares and understands. Um, so we'd like, we'd like to answer questions or hear sure. you. Why don't we hear from the public first? We do have one oh. member of the public and then we'll turn it over to the council for a, a a conversation and some comments. Thank you. I have one speaker, Keon Bliss. Greetings, City Council. Uh, I really want to commend um, uh, the folks on the Measure U committee, as well as all the community members who um, participated in the participatory budgeting pilot, both as uh, delegates and as voters within this. Um, as somebody that's been uh, knowledgeable in advocating for PB for many years, um, I think the recommendations that they're giving are really a no-brainer, and it's actually not just a benefit to the public, but also to you all, given that uh, how we allocate our our uh, city resources, especially given the multitude of crises that are converging all at once uh, over the last few years, especially, uh, especially during COVID, um, really necessitate the need for more greater community participation and understanding of the budget process. And PB is a pilot, like PB is a process that has been implemented in over 700 cities across the world and uh, hundreds of cities here in, in California, one of the oldest being in, uh, in our neighboring uh, community in Vallejo. This is something that actually benef like will inform how you all 
prioritize your, like, the, like the city's budget as well, given that uh, many community members have long like, have long-standing demands to really address the need for affordable housing, uh, more access to community care needs, particularly in the area of mental health, um, and youth funding and programming, which. Um, Every year, this gives you an opportunity not just to, uh, to engage uh, your constituents, but also to uh, take their feedback and actually promote uh, the democratic form of governance that this is like that this principle is ultimately rooted in. Um, and to remind everybody, when we first came to the board with or the council with uh, PB. Uh, we, the community demand was initially $15 million, and we got $1 million, and this is what we're coming out of this. Imagine what could actually come about if the city actually doubled down and really put the staffing Thank resources you for your comments. Your time into, is complete. into this process. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's turn it over to the committee. So I'll start with the vice mayor, vice chair, excuse me. Uh, thank you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mayor. I think our vice chair is Councilmember Talemantes, but oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I might be vice sitting chair up here. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Vice Chair Talemantes. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, but uh, I, I do want to first thank uh, the uh, all of the members of the Measure U Committee and and the members who participated also in um, from the public in the in the uh, the public uh, budgeting process. I actually I, I remember when former Councilmember Steve Cohn during the times when we had redevelopment um, there, he had uh, some of uh, the block of uh, his funds from the Alkali Flats uh, 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 PAC, which was the, 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 the advisory committee there um, for, the, uh, for SHRA. Uh, they, they, would do, uh, they would use uh, the, the public budgeting process to look at how they would spend those improvements. And uh, um, and it led to obviously a lot of the transformative things that we see uh, here on 12th uh, Street and and the artwork and the public art that came about. So uh, and I <clears throat> and so I, I I appreciate it because it it always sparks uh, creativity uh, that is very localized. And um, you know I think sometimes that when you get even at the commission level uh, or and definitely at the at the council level, you start looking at what what other people have done in other cities or what other folks have done somewhere else. And this process actually flips that upside down and says, well, you know, what can we create here, uh, you know, organically? Uh, and I think it, it, it's helpful in, in that sense. So, uh, one, I, I was inspired to see that particularly on the technology side. I mean, I, knowing myself, our, for, for our family, um, STEM was our path out of poverty. Like, it was our way to be able to look at a different career. Um, my younger, I, my, my younger siblings and I all ended up going into uh, engineering uh, because of it, because of the exposure of it, uh, and because of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the fact that someone was out there talking about those careers. So I want to, I want to, uh, I thank folks for that. And I do agree that we should take, move, uh, this is a receiving file, but Mr. Mayor, I think it, it, at least the conversation uh, at the appropriate time should uh, be brought up to the council at least so that they can see the report of, of what's happened here. Um, I do want to thank uh, you know uh, Mr. Wolf for his comments. I know next year is not as rosy as the years before, um, and so I think taking that into consideration is is important um, because. Uh, we don't want to lose the creativity, but we want to be also realistic about what what's out there. And uh, I'll end, end my comments there, uh, Mr. Mayor, since I know this is a receiving file, but I know that there may be a, a good opportunity to 
pair up this item um, with another item in January. In January. Thank you, Councilmember Guetta. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem, Member Vang. Thanks, Mayor. Appreciate it. Um, I first want to take this moment just to thank the Measure U Committee, um, <clears throat> Chair Dickinson, um, everyone that was involved um, in making this happen. I know I was one of the big proponents for PB um, because I think engaging our residents and having them actually vote on how those dollars should be alloc uh, allocated is incredi incredibly powerful. And so really great to see um, that this project came to fruition and the amazing, incredible organizations that we know do everything they can to stretch $1 um, to serve our community. So really just wanted to give kudos to the Measure U Committee. Um, I do remember, recall participating in, in those meetings. I remember we had um, a community meeting at Luther Burbank. I actually participated in that. I think, Keon, you were actually there. There was a few facilitators there, and we did have a really large crowd. And um, I know that was really exciting time to hear ideas from the community directly. Um, and so I, I continue to be a big um, advocate of PB. Um, I do just have just one question. I think I'm all in. I think this is great. Uh, definitely want to forward this to the full council to consider um, for next year's budget. Um, but I wanted to just um, ask a question about a challenge that I saw in the report from Third Plateau. And if members of the committee or city staff can answer this, uh, one of the challenge that uh, Third Plateau raised in the report was that um, when we did this pilot, it was unrealistic in terms of timeline. Um, they mentioned how, um, you know, we didn't have enough time to hire local outreach staff, um, educate residents, even though I was par par participating in the um, community uh, meeting at Luther Burbank. Um, one of the highlights from the report um, of a challenge was that um, it took longer than we thought it would take because of that lack of infrastructure. And so uh, I, I hear the call to do this again. And my question really to the committee and city staff is also, do we have, after doing this pilot, do we have the infrastructure in place to continue something like this, right? And if we don't, what do we need to do, right? We can ask for that million dollar, but if we don't have the infrastructure, I just want to make sure that we set our community up for success, right? And so would love to hear um, some thoughts about that from the committee and Measure U uh, members. Um, and then the last part, um, I'll keep it short, is, you know, Mayor, Mayor has spoken on this as well, is that when we think about participatory budgeting, for me, our entire budget should be participatory budgeting, right? And um, mid, you know, mid-year or no mid-year, I'm looking at Eleni, um, when we think about our budget, it's just trying to think through how do we actually engage our community when it's time for council to take a vote on our general, our big budget, right? And thinking about best practices that happen in this pilot, whether we continue the funding or not, I want to take some of the best less, um, lessons learned from this pilot program and figure out how we can incorporate that in our, our entire budget, right? Um, and so that's something that I'm reflecting on in this moment and figuring out as we're gearing up for next year's budget is... What, what are the ways that we're engaging in our community aside from posting our budget on the website and saying we're going to vote on a budget? I think we got to figure out a way um, to, to go out to the community to talk about our budget challenges, right? I think it's a great opportunity to educate our community. And then where do they want to see funding um, be allocated to? I think this, is, um, this timing is perfect. 
I think because we're going to be gearing up for budget conversation. So how can we get ahead of the game and um, implement some of these best practices as we're um, going to be talking about budget very, very soon? Um, so that's that's my comments, Mayor. But I do um, want to echo Vice Mayor Guerra. I think um, it's going to be important to bring this report back to the full council um, to, to consider um, if we're going to continue funding for this, because I think that is one of the requests from yeah. the committee. But if they can also just answer my question <clears throat> around the, the challenges, I, I think I regarding the infrastructure to ensure the implementation of this program, kind of want to just dive. Go, go ahead, uh, Lainey. Um, uh, good afternoon, Lainey Milstein, Assistant, oh. Assistant City Manager. So um, I think from our perspective, and I'm going to ask Ash to correct me if I'm wrong, um, if I if I oversimplify. Um, the the consultant set the timeline, and so it wasn't something that staff did. So it is a lesson learned, for sure, that it takes well more than anybody ever anticipates, right? We have these very optimistic timelines and goals, and it is a lot uh, more complicated often than anybody um, ever assumes. Um, from our perspective, we don't have staff capacity. We have poor Ashragani, who has taken up staffing to the Measure U Committee, who is also our grants management expert, who is also our ARPA and our CRF expert, who is also uh, an IT expert. I mean, it's we continually. It's interesting because we had a million dollars for this program and two hundred fifty thousand to administer it, and we don't offer that same to our staff often when we ask them to administer new programs. So it is very much a challenge for staff to manage new programming like this. Relative to outreach on the budget, um, I hate to be one of those, we've tried that. Um, and certainly there are new ways to try again and engage. But I remember multiple years when there were more staff than um, um, community in the audience and we are happy to go out and engage, but we want to do that in a way that is most useful and most efficient to both staff and community um, to share on the budget. Relative to, I have, started calling it our non-mid-year because we aren't going to have resources that um, we are going to offer to council as we have in prior years. That will probably happen in January with the initiation of um, a new uh, forecast, which is, again, council has seen with the um, implementation of one of our most recent labor contracts. Um, uh, going to be a challenge for us over the next few fiscal years. And so we are setting our sights on ensuring that the city can bring itself back into um, uh, a framework of budgetary stasis, which is revenues uh, more than expenditures, which is currently our challenge right now. So kind of a multitude of answers. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, Vice Chair Talamantes. <clears throat> Uh, Lainey, so we spent $250,000 on a consultant out of the $1 million. It, it was in addition to. It was added to. Added to it. So. A lot of money. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a lot of money that we paid to do to have a consultant on this when, in my opinion, um, as a council member, I'm happy to engage with my Measure U Commissioner Marbella to host community conversations to see what the community wants and needs. Um, I feel like we could take it upon ourselves as the council members and our appointed commissioners to, to do this work and come back and give the information to staff if that's something that the Measure U uh, Commission is interested in uh, because paying that amount of money every year sounds insane <laughs> and that money could be going to the community. So I would rather have it in the community's pockets than in consultant um, work. So that's a commitment to me to the Measure 
review commission on my end um, if we want to continue doing this annually. Um, and I also just want to say kudos on all the work that you did. Um, I see a lot of incredible projects in the north and in the south. Um, and continue the work, you know, when we passed the initiative, we made a commitment to give money to the community and to our underserved neighborhoods, and it's important for us to keep our promise and also to make sure that we listen to you prior to adopting the budget. I know that's something that um, we, this year, just things went by really fast, and so we apologize before, but just want to make sure that we hear from you prior to adopting our budget. That's it. Thank you. So the consultant was twofold. They acted as staff because of the lack of staff to put this together and put together the program. It was not just the community engagement portion. It, it was their acting as the staff for this effort. So I just want to clarify. And I think there's a certain level of standing something up for the first time that yeah. probably took a little bit um, more in resources. So, Well, I guess for me then... Um, I think if we did every two years, I think that'd be fine. Because uh, just paying that much in consultant fees seems insane to me. So thank you all colleagues and, and members of the public and members of the Measure U Committee. I, I just want to say how impressed and pleased I am by this work and the first year's result. Um, the grants inspire. And you're absolutely right that this project demonstrates that it's not always about the big line items. It can be a little bit of money invested into the community in the right way that can make a real difference. And so congratulations to you, because I know none of this was easy, especially as we grappled back and forth with how much money, what the process should be. And then this fundamental question, which Mayor Pro Tem Vang raised, that you know, I know I've raised consistently, and that is, what is participatory budgeting? Is it a set-aside for a group of community leaders to determine how to spend the money? And or, because maybe it's not or, and or, is it a more robust outreach process to engage the community in the development of the entire budget? And let me say two things. On the first one, I would love more than anything to replicate this and put forward another million or two. I don't know. The challenge that we have, and we're going to have to grapple with this as a budget committee and as a city, is the structural deficit that we have, the five-year forecast, which is not looking pretty at the moment. It doesn't mean that it can't change. It doesn't mean that it's not manageable. But it is a challenge. And so we have to work together and figure out if we can find a way to continue this very important and successful uh, approach. And then it relates to the second thing. And I, I heard um, Lainey Milstein say that, you know, there have been some efforts that have been maybe more successful than others in terms of engaging the community. That there have been some approaches where, okay, maybe a lot of people don't show up and more staff than community members, but maybe on us to rethink how it is we're doing it, as opposed to not doing it. Because the real power of this participatory budgeting to me is to create more engagement from the community. It's, it's a cousin, if you will, or a brother or sister, whatever, of the racial equity 
um, committees work around developing a, a racial equity tool so that we analyze so that we analyze the impact of our budget on people uh, in our communities who traditionally have not been heard. Not exclusively, but it relates, and there's an overlap there. We either gain the input and empower the community, or else we, we make the decisions without that kind of lens, filter, and input. And we know what our, not only our obligation is, but what we want to do. So why not, and by the way, it's a lot more fun to do a budget when you have money and maybe a lot more important to engage the community when you have deficits because the question of where you cut if you have to cut is every bit as important as where you put the additional dollars. Believe me, I know this from painful experience as uh, the state legislative leader during, during my tenure. So. I would like the Budget and Audit Committee to think about with the staff, come back in January, and actually have a real discussion about how we could have a process that is not overly uh, cumbersome in terms of the, 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 what it takes to create, but use the power of the council members who have the best networks of them all uh, in their districts, technology, town halls, neighborhood associations, CBOs, and let's get out there on the 24-25 city budget into the community. We have to do this. And that's participatory in and of itself, and then let's see without promises what we could do about trying to carve out, you know, a little bit more money to continue this complimentary approach, because it's terrific. Million dollars, wow, look at this. And all the community groups and people, by the way, who now feel maybe a little bit more trust and connection to their government. Great, okay? But that's, at a minimum, I wanna come back and I wanna talk about an outreach process on this budget. It cannot just be done here in the beautiful confines of the city hall chambers. Right? Yeah, I, I was going to be like, I have an idea, but your idea was just my idea. Because I'm looking at our budget cycle, and, um, you know, in February, it's the year-end, mid-year update. Then in March and April, it's proposed, proposed budget forecast development for release. It's also an ample opportunity for every council member to hold a meeting in their district with city staff on the budget, but also asking their constituent the priorities given the numbers that we see. I think that should be part of our city staff. I mean, our direction as city staff that we wanna see eight meetings happen throughout the city. Council members partnering with our Measure U committee members. I'm just putting this out there, trying to just put the ideas out there. Um, One, what, what, eight maybe, or maybe we council I think members eight. combine forces. and I think every council it. member should we all got elected, so I think every council member needs to do one. It's an opportunity for um, for us to hear directly from our constituent. I think I think Talamont, uh, Councilwoman Talamont has mentioned it as well, right? That she's willing to do one, and I think uh, thinking through that, making sure that's part of the budget cycle, and that we go, we actually go out to the community instead of them coming to the chambers to really talk about here's our budget numbers for the for the upcoming year, um, and how do you want to see us allocate these dollars? I think that's. 
That's how we should do it. Don't forget the mayor's district either. Okay. Mayor, you're, you're, all eight is yours. <laughs> okay. So we'll, we'll, now we've seeded this. We've got a little bit of time to we'll work with our city management and our team and figure out a robust thing. I mean, at a minimum, council member has big community meeting. The budget team, Pete and team, you get out there, presentation, great PowerPoint. You can see the, a lot of red in that PowerPoint, by the way. Um, you know, you see the, the, the public needs to see the reality and help us here grapple with the choices that we have to make. We'll, we'll, we'll do this. We'll figure it out. Okay? Excellent. Thank you. Received and filed. Okay, let's move to the, the next item, which is uh, also relating uh, to Measure U. Excuse me for one second here. Um, this is the Measure U Community Advisory Committee's fiscal year 21-22. So we're, in, we're, we're looking back a little bit. Um, the uh, annual report, Chair Dickinson. Yes, thank you. Again, I'm still Marge Dickinson, Chair of the Measure U Community Advisory Committee. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to present the report on Measure U expenditures and revenues along with the related um, recommendations as mandated by the 2018 ordinance establishing our committee. Um, again, I would like to acknowledge my uh, committee colleagues in attendance, um, you've met uh, Marbea Sala and Marcus Wolf, and in particular, thank committee member Abraham Diaz for taking the lead in preparing the report before you. He couldn't be with us today. This report, as you noted, is for 21-22 and is with previous reports and likely for future reports, comes to you 18 or, uh, months or so after the close of the fiscal year under review. This is due to time frames needed for staff to close out the budget and for the external auditor to complete their work before submittal to the Measure, measure Youth Community Advisory Committee for review. I don't, after several years on the committee, I don't see that, that time frame changing much, just it is the, it is the reality of, of timing. Um, so it, it, it is a little peculiar you know, to be reporting um, 18 months after the fact. That said, key points of our report on fiscal year 21-22 measure you revenues and, and expenditures include um, uh, based on the report of the independent auditor, the city's expenditures of measure U funds is in legal compliance with the provisions of the measure. Two, the city is broadly advancing the goals of the voters in uh, the goals that the voters made in uh, approved in 2018. But we think that more collaboration with our committee can ensure that we are responding to the needs of Sacramento today, which sort of relates back to the PB discussion. While the final 21-22 budget did not fully match the ambitions of the committee's recommendations for that year's budget, we were encouraged to receive seed money for um, PB in that, that budget year. Um, we believe that um, one of our findings was that we believe it's in the public's interest to develop an accessible and simple comparison of the committee's recommendations on the budget to the final adopted budget. Um, and as I mentioned in the previous presentation, we, we are about metrics. And we believe that the current performance measures, which do exist, I want to acknowledge that there are performance measures for many, if not all, the departments. But we believe they are insufficient for evaluating the efficacy of Measure U expenditures because, one, they're presented largely at the department level rather than the program level, making it difficult to discern programmatic at 
impacts of Measure U funds. And two, they are more in the nature uh, of level of effort or activity reports than level of impact or outcome reports. And we think the focus on impact and outcomes is, is really important. We appreciate the opportunity to, to provide these observations. Look forward to continuing to work with you in a, to advance our shared commitments to community and transparency. Um, and what the item you have before you is not only our annual report on the budget, it is also our full annual report that the um, uh, council requires for all committees to provide. So you have a pretty extensive document in front of you, but I focused only on the mandated um, report on the bu budget year. Happy to answer any questions. Okay, do we have public testimony on the 21-22? I did not have speakers on this Okay, and we don't have anybody. You know, I just, I gotta give my usual speech here. It'll be short, okay? So, you know, Measure U is a, um, I know a topic of great conversation in the community. And folks have different opinions about whether or not promises have been fulfilled. And I want to say two things. Number one, Measure U, because of the majority vote requirement, has um, always been a general fund. It's been a, it was a general tax, and thus is part of the general fund. In fact, there is now near complete overlap. At least the distinctions are, let's just say, subjective between what is Measure U and what is the general fund. And that's just the way it is. So when you look at Measure U in isolation, we also have to look at the general fund and ask, are we expending resources out of the general fund on the same things that Measure U uh, was intended to cover? And when you look at the big picture, since 2018-19, between Measure U, the general fund, ARPA, and CARES, the city has invested more money in this community than ever before than ever before. And we can back that up for everything from the creative economy to affordable housing, to youth, to workforce development, to investing directly in revitalizing our commercial, our often forgotten commercial corridors, uh, on and on and on and on. That's one thing. The second thing is even if there has been spillover in the general fund, traditional general fund has benefited, we're facing a 30 plus billion, billion, million dollar deficit in 24-25. Imagine if we had not passed that second half cent of Measure U, which is now what, Laney, about $60 million? About $60 million, we'd be facing a $95 million deficit and, and engaging in all kinds of layoffs and cutting everything that we have, have invested in, including investments in the community. So there, and, defense and I, of Measure U. I agree, Boom. I agree with everything <laughs> you've said, and, and I'm going to speak for myself in this it's moment rather speech. than the committee, but it may be that this is the time, or it has maybe it's long been the time, where we really more fully acknowledge the point you made that the, the money's fungible. It's fungible. That measure U money and general fund money are the same. And the role of our committee maybe is not about trying to parse measure you, but maybe the role of the committee is to advise and make recommendations on the overall expenditures. Like with participatory budgeting in a way where we could be investing more and better in the community, 
in ways that have an even greater impact. Yeah. Agreed. As Thank I said, you. I, I was not speaking for the community on, committee on that point, but we'll probably have a discussion we got you. on that point. Thank we got you. you. Okay. Thank you so much again, Chair Dickinson and all the members. We need a, we need a motion to accept this. Moved. Sec moved and seconded? Second. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, abstain. All right, uh, we now move to the final but very important item, and that is the City Auditor's report on the baseline setting for the new Children's Fund. And maybe, uh, Mr. City Auditor, you could, before you uh, describe how you came to your conclusion, you can put this into context for us as to why this is important given what the voters said on Measure L back in 2022. Sure. Thank you, Mayor and members of the Budget and Audit Committee, Jorge Segueda, your City Auditor. As you will know, uh, about a year ago, the residents of Sacramento were asked to vote on a measure that would uh, set aside uh, funding that would be made available to fund youth services on an ongoing basis. The city for a long time has had a tremendous commitment to funding youth services and has done so through a variety of different uh, departments and programs and by providing grants to organizations. And by passing this measure, uh, the residents of Sacramento uh, made an ongoing long-term commitment to continue that type of uh, allocation of resources towards those types of services. And so for today, um, as part of the ballot measure, the Office of the City Auditor was tasked with calculating the baseline funding, which in essence is the amount of money that the city of Sacramento expends on youth services, given five uh, goals that are detailed in the uh, ballot measure. We have gone through an exercise, as you will hear in a few minutes, to identify the amount of expenditures that the city has allocated. Um, and the types of programs that we have funded in 2022-2023. Um, as you will hear, uh, that is not where this process ends. There is still more work to be done. There is a commission that is being established. Uh, there is additional money that will be set aside through a, um, a percentage of the cannabis business operation tax uh, that will provide additional funding. And, um, and there will be a verification process that our office will participate in in order to inform the mayor and city council as to uh, our adherence to the provisions that are in the ballot measure. So um, without any further ado, um, with me today is Nathan Lugo and Farishta Arari, who were primary, primarily responsible for completing this project. The recommendation that is before you is that you pass a motion accepting the city auditor's baseline funding calculation for the Sacramento Children's Fund and forward the report to the full city council for approval. I will now hand it over to Nathan Lugo who will talk us through some of the key aspects of the report. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, Mayor Steinberg and members of the Budget and Audit Committee. Nathan Lugo, Senior Fiscal Policy Analyst with the City Auditor's Office. 
Uh, I know Jorge just covered some of the background, but as you know, Measure L was passed by voters in November 2022. The Children's Fund was created to support the youth in Sacramento and provide a consistent source of funding for youth programming. Uh, annual funding is financed by allocating 40% of the annual cannabis business operations tax, or CBOP. Particularly re relevant to this project is the maintenance of effort section of the measure that states the fund does not replace baseline funding. Each annual budget must include the baseline amount as verified by the city auditor in addition to the amount annually allocated by the CBOT from the CBOT. Some key definitions as they relate to the project are identified on this slide. Baseline funding refers to the amount of unrestricted general fund revenue expended on baseline services. Baseline services refer to services provided to youth that are designed to meet the same objectives as the children's fund goals. And the fund goals are the overarching objectives set out by the children's fund. To summarize, they relate to supporting mental and emotional wellness of youth, preventing and reducing homelessness, substance use, and violence among youth, and supporting the healthy development of children ages zero to five. The city auditor has specific responsibilities related to Measure L. They generally relate to the calculation and verification of financial aspects of the fund. Uh, more specifically, the city auditor is responsible for calculating and publishing the baseline funding amount by December 31st, 2023. Also beginning in 2025, the city auditor will verify the baseline funding amount was spent in the previous fiscal year. And finally, starting in 2025, the city auditor is responsible for publishing an audited figure for CBOT for the prior fiscal year. This slide describes at a high level the process that we took to calculate the baseline funding amount. To begin to understand the youth programming landscape for the city of Sacramento, we reviewed a program budget analysis to identify youth programs. Shortly thereafter, we established communication with departments that we understood had a significant, uh, had significant youth programming, such as Youth Parks and Community Enrichment, Office of Youth Development, the Police Department and Fire Department. We decided to administer a citywide survey to all departments and offices inquiring about youth programs. This yielded the bulk of our information about existing programs. We also performed data analysis over the city's financial system to identify programs that may not have been captured in the survey process. We then got to work retrieving financial data from the city's financial system for identified programs, working with finance to ensure that our financial data was accurate and complete. Lastly, a critical component of our work was the was our ongoing communication with the city attorney's office to ensure that our approach was consistent with Measure L from a legal perspective. This slide uh, provides a general insight into our approach for analyzing programs for compliance with Measure L. When we identified city expenditures for youth programs, we ensured that they were from fiscal year 22-23 and were made with unrestricted general fund or Measure U revenue. We then took the expenditure amounts net of program revenues and aligned them with one or more of the fungals. We also made sure to understand what kinds of services were being provided and to which age groups. Measure L identifies youth as individuals under 25. 
finally, we confirmed that the expenditures were not from a category specifically prohibited by Measure L. We thought it was important to include some issues we encountered when identifying and tracking youth expenditures. First, in some cases, we determined the most appropriate approach for determining youth expenditures was to rely on management's estimates. Management's estimates were particularly important when attempting to determine the appropriate allocation for partial youth programs. Also, as we got into the work of identifying youth program expenditures, we quickly realized that the city does not have a uniform method for tracking youth-related expenditures. As we go forward, a standardized approach for tracking these types of expenditures would offer savings in terms of city resources and enable more accurate identification of youth expenditures for baseline funding verification in future years. Another point we wanted to bring to your attention is the potential for post-publication adjustments. In speaking with finance, we understand that the city auditor's requirement for publishing the baseline funding amount uh, by year-end co coincides with the year-end accounting work and annual audit. While we've reviewed program expenditures as of November 2023, there's the potential that accounting adjustments could be made after this time. Additionally, we identified some program expenditures just before the report was published, and we were unable to complete our full analysis of these expenditures. These amounts have been described in Appendix C of the report. We intend to complete our review of these expenditures to determine if they qualify as baseline funding. However, it's not clear to us what the process would be for a post-publication adjustment, only that these adjustments warrant consideration. This slide provides a summary of the youth program expenditures included as baseline funding, which totals $22.8 million. It's important to note that this table does not summarize all of the city's youth program costs for fiscal 22-23. Rather, these are the amounts that qualified as baseline funding per Measure L. Also, our report goes into greater detail for all the programs that were included in these figures with program descriptions and comment on how the program expenditure is qualified as baseline funding. As can be seen, YPSI consisted of almost half of the baseline at $10.8 million, followed by the Office of Youth Development at $4.2 million, and then Department of Community Response, Fire Department, Police Department, and Office of Violence Prevention. In total, we considered $50 million and excluded $27.1 million of expenditures. We also wanted to highlight the reasons that program expenditures were excluded from the baseline funding amount. In the report, Appendix A includes a full listing of program am amounts that were excluded. A common reason for excluding amounts was due to partial youth programs. As mentioned before, Measure L defines youth as individuals aged 0 to 24, and many programs served a greater population. This excluded amounts, or excuse me, the excluded amounts were attributable to the non-youth age populations. We also excluded amounts because they were from ineligible funding sources. Many youth programs operating in the city are funded through external parties, such as state grants. Some expenditures were excluded because they were prohibited capital costs that didn't meet Measure L's criteria of being for the primary and direct use by youth. And finally, we identified programs that the city funded through general operating agreements or grants for general operational support. When we reviewed these agreements, we were unable to identify any provisions for youth services. 
As such, we were unable to qualify them as baseline funding. This concludes my presentation. We would like to thank all of the departments and offices that helped us compile this information. In particular, we would like to thank the attorney's office for their assistance and guidance during this process. I'm available to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you. Thank you for your presentation. Um, City Clerk, any public comment? I have one speaker from Keambulis. So I was hoping to talk on um, the Measure U report before on item five, but I didn't hear that the comments uh, queue was closed or the, the requested, um, but I was trying to work on my comment. This, that said, I really appreciate the city auditor conducting this audit. Um, I uh, think it's, uh, help, it's also helpful for uh, other commissions, particularly the police review commission's work uh, when reviewing how other funds go into um, uh, the police department and just wanting to note um, and I'll have questions to ask around that is just um, beyond the funding goals I'm just curious like what are the metrics for success within that if the city auditor had um, examined those within the respective programs that were receiving that funding and also wanting to point out that in your conversations around you know going into a budget year and identifying what funds could be used in something like a participatory budgeting process Funds like this and like through Measure L, Measure U, those are funds, those are special tax revenue funds that could easily be used to uh, allow for community members to have a direct say in how those, like, the, those fundings are spent. Um, particularly in the area of youth, um, with, uh, when it comes to youth funding, it, we actually, like there are examples here in the United States, such as in uh, Boston, where um, the PB process out there engaged uh, young people as uh, younger than uh, 24 years in a process that ultimately led to uh, urban greenery initiatives, um, uh, uh, supplying and resourcing uh, homeless shelters, uh, among other initiatives. And it was so successful uh, with just a million dollars, I believe it was, was what it was allocated to, that they they did institutionalize the process and created an office of participatory budgeting specifically for the mayor, like for the uh, city of Boston. So just wanting to point out. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Vice Chair, I don't have any more speakers. Thank you. Uh, and we have uh, Councilmember Bang in the queue. Thank you, Vice Chair. Um, I have some comments a question and some direction. So first, let me just say thank you, Jorge, to you and your incredible team um, for just your thorough uh, work on this to get to this moment. I know it was a Herculean task um, to actually reach out to all the departments, do the analysis, um, and really ensure that we stay true uh, to the language um, in the ballot initiative. And so I really just wanna say thank you to your staff because I know um, it was a lot of heart and hustle and detailed work on the back end to get to this moment. I think just a few comments. One, I'm really excited that we're at this moment, glad that we're meeting our timeline benchmark on what's required before um, we begin to allocate those dollars. Really proud that um, our uh, city clerk, Mindy, is hustling on her end to help onboard our Sacramento Children's Fund commissioners. I believe they're meeting next Wednesday, is that correct already? 
Monday, well, I, yeah, so next Monday already, so that's really exciting. So just kind of want to just name that. Um, and then for me, when I think about the baseline and why it's so important is that at the end of the day, the reason why we're doing a baseline is to ensure that we're securing the highest level of resources for our youth in this city, right? And so the reason why we're doing this is tracking all our youth programs so that we can have a solid baseline meaning what are we doing in the city, and we want to really reserve all of that. But I also just want to remind folks that in addition to the baseline, um, that when we wrote this ballot initiative, the community, the baseline amount, yes, it has to remain the same year to year, obviously, except for the adjustment if the general fund goes down. Um, but that the funding for these programs, the baseline, the 27 million, as of right now, we have 27 million, doesn't mean that it has to be the same programming, right? I think what, what what we're doing is about hitting the reset button. This is really an opportunity for our city to think about program quality for all of our programs. That's non-city and that's city included. And so I just wanted to, to share that. Um, I think you heard from our city auditor when they were doing this Herculean task that we actually don't have a uniformity way of tracking youth-related expenses within the city. But we do now, right, because the city auditor is doing that heavy lifting. And um, I know that our Office of Youth Development and our fierce leader of, of YPSI is working hard to ensure that we have that infrastructure, which Measure L set aside funding for that, to ensure that we can do that intentional work. Um, all that to say, I really, I'm really excited for this this part of the implementation because it's really about hitting the reset button and uh, really taking a closer look at our youth, at our youth funding in our city. I did have one question for the city auditor in terms of um, items that were excluded. Um, I really appreciate if you can go back to the slide, kind of explaining a bit why certain programs weren't included. Appreciate that anything that's federal or state grants weren't included because we're looking at general dollars. Um, but there was a section where you mentioned general operational support. Um, and I wanted to ask, so for general operational support, funding for youth programs was provided through general operating ag agreements or grants. I, could you give me an example of that? Like, would that be like us giving money to the public libraries? Or I, I'm just, I'm trying to have a better understanding of why that was why that was excluded and what's the rationale for Sure, that? so the um, the biggest example, I think, is one, the one that you mentioned, which would be the public library. Okay. And my understanding is we have a, a joint powers agreement um, and uh, there are no specific provisions to provide youth services, even though it is a youth-serving yeah. organization. And really that was the, the basis for the excluded amount. So I'm just curious, because the whole point of baseline funding is to also determine so that we don't replicate the same services because the new doll the dollars the measure the Sacramento Children's Fund is supposed to not supplant but um, basically add add to or expand and so um, if the public library wanted to apply for the measure the Sacramento Children's Fund funding and it's a program that they have already been doing but they weren't included in the baseline how are we going to determine I'm just I'm trying to understand logistically. And that's just one example, but, yeah. right? Cause so when, if they're not included in the baseline, but they have ongoing youth program and they're not included in the baseline, how do we, as a city, ensure that we're not supplanting? My understanding of the way that the Children's Fund money is gonna be spent is based on the Oversight Commission, the Children's Fund Commission. And so, you know, um, 
I know that would be a question for that commission to discuss and then incorporate into their five-year strategic investment plan. Um, as far as the specific answer to that question, um, I don't know that specific answer because I think it, it would really depend on that body. Thanks. Yeah, I think that's the part that I'm grappling. I'm looking at Jorge as well, is because that's the reason why we're combing through all this funding because we want to be really intentional, um, ensuring that we have a solid baseline. Um, and so, if you if you have any answer to that, I think maybe that's something we need to just continue to look at as well because I think that that could be a great area. Um, so, seems like our attorney would like to input on that. Councilmember Vang, I just want to point out if if, if I understand your question, um, for the most part, so we're going to set the baseline funding. So. The 22.8 million, the city council is going to be obligated in its upcoming upcoming budget to allocate 22.8 million dollars in the fiscal 24-25 budget for youth services, right? But we also have the separate obligation. The city has a separate obligation um, with respect to the Sacramento Public Library to give it funding. Mm -hmm. So, so we won't be supplanting the funding to the library through the baseline amount. If, if that answers your question. Well, you yeah, yeah Mayor, yeah. Is that okay? Yep. Go, go ahead. Um, I, I was going to add to, to Matt's analysis. Um, yeah, the library does support youth programming through its Measure X and Measure B. Um, but that is different right. than, and, and it can be if they were to apply and they were to receive funding from the commission, the commission can make part of their grant a requirement that they not supplant, that they use the money to provide in addition programming, not to replace and utilize the funds that they have utilized for youth programming in the past, but it is not related to our baseline funding and the notion of supplanting within the city our baseline that's really what the supplanting in measure l is specific to right but i think on this line right here it's just a general operational support that we provide so it could be general dollars that we're providing like so I, that's why i asked the question like do we provide general operating support to the public libraries because if we do jorge's nodding yes that means it is coming from our general fund so just making sure we comb those dollars as well like if it is used for our youth i just want to make sure that we're able to add that to the baseline and right now we're excluding it they are excluding it. Yeah. I think the the point that I would try to clarify, and you know, if the attorney's office wants to jump in, by all means. Um, but for us, what we were looking for was uh, that the language in the agreements uh, detailed a particular program that we could tie to youth. Let's and see. since the city, in allocating money to the library, provides a general yeah. operating allocation, we didn't have that detail. Now. Uh, in regards to your question, would the library be uh, eligible to apply for uh, additional funding beyond what they have? Uh, maybe. Um, and I think we would have to circle back with the attorney's office just to comb through the measure to uh, ensure that there isn't something that would come into play that might weigh in in determining whether that's yes or no. Um, but um, for the purposes of this exercise, we did not uh, try to answer that question. Okay. So, so Council Member Van, yes, when the commission gets up and running and when fund dollars, remember the baseline amount is not fund dollars, right? The, the, the fund is going to be funded by the um, cannabis business operation tax percentage that goes into the fund and carryover, et cetera. But when the commission and the, the city puts out to spend the money out of the fund, public, other public agencies are eligible to participate in that process so long as they provide their own matching dollars. So for example, if we, we award them $100,000 for a particular program, they need to come up with $100,000 from their own budget to Absolutely. also support that program. 
Yeah, thanks, Matt. I think for me, it's just like, I think the challenge will be, that's the reason why the baseline work is so important, is to ensure that we're not supplanting. I think that's the, that's the key. But I appreciate just the clarity on that. Thank you so much for that. So um, the, the last, my last comments really uh, direction. So um, one, great job on this. And I, I just had two requests in particular. First, um, it was noted in the in the report um, that we haven't closed our 22-23 books yet, um, and so there may be some uh, some adjustment that might be made, right? Um, and so I like to request that when and if any changes are made to the baseline, that our city auditor actually comes back to be in our, our committee um, and to our oversight committee that we're that we're putting on, that we're onboarding, to ensure that we present those changes. I think that's really important, right? Right now we're seeing the dollars being 27, but if there are any changes or adjustment. We're done. We're done. We've closed the books. We haven't yet, according to the auditor's report, so. Well, we're, we're, we're done. We are done, done? We're okay. done, done. We, Okay. We hadn't heard done? that they were all the way done, but I think the, the point that we were trying to make in the report is that, you know, there's the possibility of something like that being brought to our attention. That's There's right. a possibility of another program that we just weren't aware of that now that we've shared what we ended up considering, you know, it's brought to our attention and maybe it does uh, cause us to consider uh, uh, updating or modifying the baseline number. I think the key point that we were trying to make in bringing that up though is that it's unclear whether we would be able to make an adjustment after December 31st of 2023 um, because that language is not specified in the ballot measure. Okay. And so if the information supports uh, expenditures having been made in 22-23, but we did not include it in the uh, baseline calculation because of a variety of different reasons, yeah. do we have the flexibility of making adjustments after the 31st? That question is still outstanding, we're not sure. Um, there's even some programs that we considered that we weren't able to fully evaluate that are at the end of the report. We only have one more council meeting between now and December 31st. And so um, would, we, would we have a mechanism to be able to make an adjustment? Well, it's an outstanding Let me, can, can I? Okay, <laughs> no, I was going to ask Mr. Rudiak if you wanted to chime in, but go ahead, Mayor. Okay. Just a real quick question, uh, response to Jorge. To, technically, um, under the charter language, you have an obligation to publish the number. Um, there's not a concomitant obligation by the committee or the council to approve that number. It is Your number is the definitive number. So, so for purposes of getting council buy-off on that number, technically that's not required under the, under the charter language. So, so to, the, to the extent that there's time between now and the 31st and there's not sufficient council meetings, um, you can take that off a list of your concerns. Okay. So we would be able to publish by the 31st with the memo or uh, publishing Mayor? to the West website. Mayor, do you want to impact? It is illogical to me, yep. illogical to me, that there would be no flexibility for the auditor and or the city council to be able to adjust this baseline number. Well, what does this mean? It's embedded forever. $22.7 million is the number. Um, so what? There, there are changed circumstances. There could, you could have made a mistake. I yeah. mean, um, <laughs> right? And so, I'm sorry, the, the reasonable interpretation of this, there needs to be some mechanism by which this can be looked at 
um, at somebody's urging, with you being the arbiter, right? Because we don't, we're not trying to make this a political process where we're trying to adjust this up or down based upon the needs, but it just, it, it worries me that we are stuck with a number that, where there's just no flexibility. Um, and so I just want to say that. The second thing is I want to understand really what the, the import of this baseline, because I think the public out there, if I'm a tiny bit confused, I think the public uh, be very confused. Here's the way that I read this, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. That if this baseline is, what is it, $22.7 million? Okay. And that means that every, is it, did I get that right? 22.8. Thank you. Neil is off a little. If it's 22.8, okay, and let's say that number remains, that means that the city must spend $22.8 million on youth funding plus That's whatever measure L generates. That's correct. Now, we are all, you know what that noise is? Um, we are all working in good faith as a team here, the YPSI, the, the Measure L Committee, everybody is. But you also, not to go down too dark of a hole, but we have to at least talk about hypothetically what could happen with a different set of actors down the line, et cetera, right? And so here's what I worry about. There, there could be manipulation of what goes into that baseline over time, right? In other words, it's the library funding thing. Let's just say that the libraries have a, let's say everyone's hurting, and the library folks have a deficit, and the city decides that it's going to find a way to help deal with whatever the funding gap is for a particular project, or, or the operations for a particular project. The city, some city management down the line, could argue, well, that fulfills part of the... The baseline. The baseline requirement and cut out, you know, so this is, I do think we all have to be, have our eyes wide open here, right? Because especially in difficult fiscal times, but even in better fiscal times, when there are pressures on the collective bargaining front, or on the traditional public safety front, there's gonna be this effort to try to see it one way or another. So what is the, so we could, we're never changing the baseline number, is that? Is that? The baseline number helps establish exactly what it is, the baseline, I right? And so okay. um, it, it, it can be adjusted, especially with a deficit. I mean, that's one of the provisions that's- oh, Down, I understand, but it can never be adjusted. Well, it can be adjusted up based upon the city choosing to spend more on the non-measure L side? No. No? Uh, the baseline itself wouldn't change. We would just be spending above baseline. Above baseline? Yes. Okay. The, the only time the baseline may change is that we find out that we actually didn't include something in the baseline. Okay. So now, for the example, other, the other component that comes into play is that we do have uh, a role based on the ballot measure to uh, verify that the baseline amount that was uh, calculated is spent by the city. And so the auditor has a role in making sure that every year, once the city approves and spends the money for the $22.8 million, that that actually occurs. And if we uh, don't do that, then there would be an adjustment in subsequent years. 
to make, make sure up, we, to, to make, make up, sure, yeah, okay. to make sure that we spend well, the Well, you know what, I guess if there was ever an adage uh, that true, more true that we're all part of a t city team here in the city family, we have to yeah. all kind of figure this out together over time because right. it's. Yeah. But I think to your point, Mayor, um, it's a good one. And I think it's something that collectively we have to be cognizant of and vigilant for is, you know, those types of uh, actions and work with our legal team to make sure that uh, if an action is taken that is questionable, that we ensure that we have a process in place to uh, address it and uh, uh ensure its compliance with the with you've the gotten us you've gotten us off to a good start Absolutely. here by allowing us to then yeah. launch from here so if, thank you Mayor, um, Mayor, can, I, can, I, can I augment that what the what um, the auditor said is one it's just a baseline the, the council could spend way more if they wanted to on new services so we don't we shouldn't think it's a limit it's not a limit it, it, it the council can make a determination to spend more on the second thing is the auditor pointed out I think part of why we've gone They've gone through such an immense process here and laid out the process for the committee and then for the council is to establish the consistent application of the expenditures into the future so that your potential hypothetical is really not possible. That is, if we're not counting the library expenditure now for purposes of the baseline, then the council and then the, then the city can't consider that as youth expenditure down the road because we set the rules now. Yeah. And, 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 that the, and then the out years, the auditor has the obligation to ensure the expenditures are being met as required by it. And if not, as we said, then there's makeup money. That's helpful. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. So that's the first piece. I, if there are any changes made by the end of this year, I think it's important for um, the city auditor to just bring that back to BNA. Um, and then my last, um, my last request is that, as you know, our Sacramento Children's Fund Oversight Committee um, will be seated on Monday. Um, and I'd like to request that our city auditor makes the same presentation to the Sacramento Children's Fund oversight. I'm not sure what is on the agenda for their first meeting. I'm sure they're onboarding, getting to know each other. But I think ensuring that there's a thorough presentation like this um, to the oversight committee will be key as well. And so those are my only two requests. Okay, Madam, Madam Chair, I know I need to leave. Um, so if there's a vote that needs to be cast, do um, um, you need a motion? Yes, but I had two comments just real quick, um, and then I can make a motion. Go ahead. Um, one, I do believe it's important to have a baseline number that's set in stone. I mean, as we move forward in the budget, there shouldn't we shouldn't be changing it left and right and have unpredictable budgets. So I disagreed on that. Um, and then I know we're talking about cannabis operation taxes, and I know at Law and Ledge, uh, the council members there are hearing policies about reducing the taxes and. This coincides with what we're talking about today and with Measure L and what we promised the voters. So my ask to the city clerk and the mayor, <laughs> who's a part of this committee too, is to see if we can bring that policy forward here because it has a fiscal impact on our budget and I think it should have been heard here I, first. I think that's, well, depending upon what the Law and Ledge Committee does, whenever that is um, uh, actually agendized and heard for potential action, I agree with you should come here it has a direct fiscal impact okay and then there, you may have we may have a brown act issue with, uh, we're, in, you know, we're we're in public and this is a public meeting so. we may be able to do a joint meeting of the Maybe full city council and the budget yeah, and audit with, committee which we've done before with the racial equity they did have the racial equity we did that with so That's there's a way budget. but i think it's completely correct where there's a fiscal impact this committee needs to have yeah. some ability 
to weigh in. We just may need to work legally to ensure that uh, there's a proper way to do yeah, that. Yeah, and it would be great to do it in January. I know staff was directed to work on it, and there's a lot of movement and activity, so. Well, let, let's let Lawn Ledge, they've got a lot of work left to do, I think, okay. before they take it up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, thank you. Okay. Uh, I'll move the item. Okay, is there a second? I'll second. Wonderful. Oh, everyone in favor? Aye. 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 Just want to make sure. Thank you. Yep. I just got to And for the record, um, Eric, um, did you want to vote on item six? Aye. Thank you. <laughs> that was unanimous. Thank you, everyone. I think we, um, we, that concludes the business of the meeting. We have committee comments, ideas, questions. Any comments? Okay, wonderful. Correct. A little gross. Three. Okay. All right. Uh, closed session at 3 p.m. Meeting adjournment.